0: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now, coming at you remotely. I am recording personally in my apartment in New York, and we have someone else in their apartment in New York and two people in Los Angeles. I truly hope that everyone out there is staying safe and healthy, and I encourage you to stay at home as much as possible. We are going to be continuing Rolling Stone Music Now for the foreseeable future, recording remotely and still broadcasting on Sirius. So I have with me today, Amy X Wang, Samantha Hisung, and Ethan Millman, who have been doing an amazing job under trying circumstances, reporting on the absolute chaos that our current crisis is inflicting upon the music industry. Obviously, it's affecting a lot of people's lives and health, it's affecting a lot of industries, but this is our world, and it is most certainly affecting the music industry. This has been like a slow motion train hitting. A lot of people understood what was coming. For example, U.S. concerts as as we saw what was happening first in China, then Italy and other places. But again, slow motion and it took a while for it to hit the concert industry. And when it did, it was like a chain of dominoes. So maybe, maybe if one of you could kind of take us through the chronology and the dominoes falling of cancellations.
1: Sure. I mean, I will say with festivals, I think that one of the, the biggest domestically to kind of start that off was Ultra in Miami, which is a um, dance electronic festival. That was actually the same day, but I, I do think it was first, but it was the same day as South by Southwest. Uh, in early March, we heard of that cancellation. And that was, I believe, the Friday before we heard of Coachella's cancellation. So you had Ultra. And then South by Southwest, which is arguably an even bigger deal, I mean, because that's not genre specific. It's also more than a music festival. You have conferences, you have health and wellness expos, you have gaming expos, uh, keynote speakers, etc. cetera. So it's, it's a massive undertaking in uh, Austin, Texas. And uh, you, I believe they donate upwards of $350 million to the city of Austin each year. Anyways, that was canceled, and then after that is when, at least for me, I started hearing really elevated levels of these conversations surrounding Coachella and their, you know, imminent cancellation or postponement, and the and basically the whole industry or the people that I was talking to were were saying that they can't see how they wouldn't cancel or move it.
0: Yeah, South by also- came first. Yeah, go on, sorry.
1: Also, no, i was just gonna say what's also interesting
2: is that even though these things all kind of like fell like dominoes one in a row, we've also heard that the organizers were in conversation for days beforehand. So everyone was having the same conversation internally asking, is it worth it? How are we going to proceed? And just kind of sussing out the scene, looking at everybody else, seeing what Ultra's doing, seeing what South by is doing. And as soon as one major festival canceled, it was sort of like the floodgate opened and everyone else felt it was okay.
1: Yeah. And this was also, this is the first time in 34 years that South by Southwest will not take place. So that was obviously a very jarring thing to, Accept and process and I think that was what really kicked it into overdrive. They're like, oh if South by Southwest is going to do this I don't see why Coachella wouldn't.
0: Absolutely and It was during an evening when Pearl Jam canceled Uh, It was it was last Monday. I believe it feels like a billion years ago. They're of course from seattle Uh, Mm. They I think personally saw what was happening there and, and you can kind of read that in their statement The emotion of what was happening We've been hit hard and have witnessed firsthand how quickly these disastrous situations can escalate. Eddie Vedder wrote, our kids' schools have closed along with universities and businesses. It's been brutal and it's going to get worse before it gets better. We are so sorry and deeply upset. If anyone out there feels the same based on this news, we share that emotion with you. And then, yeah, there's been a a series of, of announcements since basically everything was canceled. I guess one thing I'll say is that it was interesting and a little bit alarming to see how many things went on, even as this was clearly an imminent danger or a present danger. For example, even in New York, there was this big Almond Brothers tribute concert last week at Madison Square Garden. It went on, and that was uh, that was a little bit scary to think about. And you know, I, I interviewed a infectious disease doctor who explained specifically, and obviously the guidance has been given to avoid large gatherings, and for people who who still don't understand it, part of the, the science here is that these can be super spreader events. There's science that suggests that one person could spread the virus to one-third of the attendees of an event. So that's, that's the urgency. But even in the face of that, when we saw, like, for example, Billie Eilish and Post Malone snuck in a uh, last concert or two, even as this was brewing, they weren't necessarily in hot spots. But what was going on with people kind of slow-rolling the cancellation? And we'll get to eventually Live Nation and the other promoters kind of announced together they were going to shut everything down. But what, why was there a little bit of a delay in all this?
3: Well, I think part of it would also be that, I mean, you're talking a week ago. There's so much that isn't really known about what's going on from one day to the next. The news changes so much from day to day. Part of it could be just a lack of understanding of how serious things were going to be. I mean, uh, it's you're right. uh, We were, Amy, Samantha, and I had talked about this previously, too, where just how much is going on. I mean, it's a year's worth of news that happens
0: in a matter of days. But I was going to get to the insurance issue. Amy did a very interesting story about that. How does the insurance situation affect all this? there's definitely
2: a gray area when it comes to insurance in general obviously when something happens you always have to have a conversation with your insurer it's not just like automatically they'll pay you and so in this case what happened was that a lot of insurers actually added in a clause early in this year saying we're not going to cover coronavirus cancellations if you cancel your tour um, because you know this is just not part of the policy anymore and so what artists are finding out now is that if they took out a policy after that clause was added then they're just not covered for canceling their tour. And also, if they took out a policy before that clause was added, say last year or in 2018, they also still might not be covered because insurance in general is pretty narrow and some of the insurers say, oh, we don't cover pandemics in general, we don't cover biohazards, things like that. And so for artists who are canceling tours, it's either no, we're not covering anything insurance-wise, or we might cover something, but you have to fight for it.
0: To me, it's a little bit extraordinary that experienced managers, experienced promoters would sign an insurance thing that doesn't cover such an obviously looming threat. Uh, and it also speaks to the rather um, wily intelligence of the, of the insurers to include such a clause. Right, exactly. Yeah, but what did you make of that? Because it's just extraordinary. It means that they were they were basically running uncovered into a potential disaster.
2: That's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So insurers offer a number of different types of tour cancellation insurance. One of them is unfortunately terrorism insurance. Um, another kind is like if, there, if something happens with crowd control or like an audience member does something or say the band gets sick themselves. But as for external events like pandemics, they usually say this is not part of the purview because it's something that is just wildly outside of the realm of coverage. However, one interesting tidbit that we found out when reviewing an artist's tour contract, this particular tour contract said, we don't cover coronavirus and we don't cover pandemics. But there's this one tidbit that said, we do cover any losses in the event of mourning for the president of the United States dying. Oh my like, wow, God. Okay. Okay. So, so you're not gonna cover if you have to cancel the tour to prevent everyone from getting sick, but you will cover if Donald Trump just passes away and everyone has to mourn him. It was like a really freakish thing to see.
0: Among the many, many impacts of this is just as uh, Laura Jane Grace of Against Me put it, it's just it's just total chaos in your article. Everything is in chaos. She said, they don't know when to release anything. Last time I talked to my European booking agent before the virus, he was like, You need to get on top of things right now and Yeah, I'm already booking shows for November 2021.
2: Right. That's one yeah. thing to consider that so many booking agents and artists plan these things years ahead of time. And you're not just going to hop on a tour bus and go around the country, right? You're going to do that a year in advance when you plan out all the spreadsheets of your flights and your catering and everything else. And so to have that all be postponed indefinitely is like a nightmare for people who need to actually organize that stuff in order to keep their revenue stream going, in order to you know, know where they're going to be in a month or a year's time.
0: Yeah,
1: I would like to add to that just because I spoke to a travel agent who specifically works in the music industry with bands. And I have a quote from her. She said, um, her name is Lisa Pomerantz, and she works for a company called Madison House Travel, and she said, working on large-scale tours often requires additional hires six to nine months ahead of the tour. We do not see any of that money until that performance happens. The hotels and airlines pay commission to us, and in the event of a cancellation due to an injury, pregnancy, or pandemic, et cetera, not only do we not get paid, we have to fight to get our client out of contract so they don't have to pay the hotel vendors. It's literally two times the work for no pay.
0: Yeah, and there's so many ripple effects to this. Before we get to the effect on behind-the-scenes people, which which, uh, I believe Samantha did a great story on, let's talk about why festivals in particular needed to cancel, and I think Amy had some things to say about that.
2: Yeah, one of the interesting conversations going around the last week or so has been, like, why does Coachella actually need to cancel? Why is it important? And same with concerts and, and any sort of mass gathering. And what health experts have told us is that one thing is, you know, the crowd itself is so dense at a music festival or a tour that people are just like right next to each other. And if somebody comes in with a virus, if just one person comes in with coronavirus, then it's going to spread to everyone. And there's no way of preventing that. Like adding EMTs won't help, adding people on the side, putting everyone in hazmat suits wouldn't even really help because you just like (laughs) created another problem essentially. And so the only route to go in this case is to cancel. And that's something that, you know, tour managers, decision makers, have really struggled with. Obviously, with anything else, you can mitigate certain things. For instance, if like a band member requested a certain element, you could sort of change the venue a little bit. You could reduce the number of people. You could kind of cap it. But in this instance, with something that is, you know, kind of like a very contagious threat to everybody putting people in a room together is the worst way to go and so ultimately Coachella and South by and everyone else had to sort of cave in and and say yes putting 100 people in a a tiny like 10 by 10 square feet area in the hot desert is probably not the best way to you know support what's going on right now in the world.
1: Absolutely. I'd like to add something too. Yeah. Yeah, When we talk about Coachella, I just think this is a really important thing for people to realize. I mean, you have to consider the full-time residents of the greater Palm Springs area, which is typically looked at as a a retirement destination. And there are a lot of senior citizens out there. And that's the demo that's, potentially most at risk or of falling ill or dying from COVID-19, you have to think about the amount of people coming into the Palm Springs area. I mean, Coachella supposedly brings in over 45% more travelers by air than South by Southwest and nearly 90% more than ultra. The majority of that is domestic travel, but it's hard to know when those people last traveled internationally, who else has been on those planes, those attendees have been on, et cetera. Plus over 25% of people who attend South by Southwest For example, our international travelers, I don't have that number for Coachella, but I can say in just looking at the lineup, you would see, for one, an array of UK-based acts. There's also Hatsune Miku, who's a virtual idol who was developed in Japan and has a largely Japanese fan base. You have Big Bang, which is a South Korean boy band. Their website's calendar shows that they had an event in Seoul in January. So they've obviously traveled internationally recently. Then, to your point about Seattle that you brought up earlier... You have situations like that of the Mexican group Banda MS, who was scheduled to perform in Seattle one day before their Coachella date. The first U.S. patient was found in Seattle, and the county Seattle is situated within is now, or the last I checked, it was considered to be the county with the worst
0: outbreak in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Before we move on, I spoke to Dr. Daniel Griffin, an infectious disease physician specialist at Columbia University, and I will just read one bit of what he told me. We ran the whole interview online. When I spoke to him, they were literally about to drop the announcement that Live Nation and AG, etc., were going to cancel concerts. At that moment, everything was still on for the most part, and people were kind of freaking out begging them to cancel everything and it still hadn't happened it was like i talked to him like about two hours before all that went down so i said as we speak there's a billy eilish concert still scheduled for madison square garden on saturday what do you make of that and of course again right after we talked it was canceled but this is what he said sounds like it's out of a bad movie here we are clearly in one of the hot zones i think if that concert goes ahead people will look back on that and just wonder what were people thinking to continue to not cancel it and what were the people thinking who went and attended not only will they pick it up at the concert, but then as human beings do, they're going to leave that concert. They're going to go somewhere else, probably to their homes, their family, their friends, their loved ones, haven't been exposed. A percentage of them, we're now seeing about a third of people, 35%, at large gatherings like this, get infected. And then that just spreads and spreads. So I think that that says it all. But let's, let's move on to the impact on the big business of touring, Live Nation, AG, concert venues, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know how long this will go on, but what do we already know about the impact? Certainly it's not been good for the stock price
3: right to me, the first thing I would think of is if you look at live nation stock price it's it's plummeted in the past few weeks. I mean, if you look to just before the outbreak had really hit, it was at you know over seventy something dollars and now as of today it's like right now to about thirty two thirty three dollars it's It's dropped incredibly heavily I mean it makes sense given live nation is so based in that. A few weeks ago, though, right after this quarterly meeting or this quarterly earnings call, Live Nation was saying that they weren't sure how much it would be impacting their business. They thought it would be pretty limited since so many of their shows were going to be in this latter half of this year. But I mean, it even just shows again how much things are going to change so quickly. I mean, not much later, they had to halt everything.
0: Amy, in the most macro sense, what kind of f- financial and just logistics? and other impact are you already seeing that this is going to have on all those things I mentioned and, and maybe down even further down the chain?
2: The media and entertainment sectors in which the music industry kind of resides are being hit pretty hard by coronavirus. Some parts of it have fewer ramifications than others. For instance, obviously live events, the live nation sector is not doing as well as something like Warner or uh, Spotify would because those formats don't actually need anything physical to carry them and to sort of keep them afloat but we are going to see you know tremendous knock on effects from this just by the sheer nature of everything dropping all at once it's unlikely that we would see anything go up in terms of stock price while the entire market just drags itself down into a black hole basically but live nation is you know they've been saying we're super positive. We have lots of good cash flow. We're able to sort of reorient ourselves. And we'll see how that actually plays out in the future, given that they have now paused their entire slate of shows, essentially. And we'll also see what happens with the music tech space and with live streaming, which Ethan's written about quite a bit. With you know everything moving virtual, will that be the next future? Will people essentially start snapping up live streaming companies and trying to incorporate them into their business? Will we see more of them come up? Will we see VR shoot up again? and holograms, as much as the music industry has hated holograms for the past two years. Is that something that's going to be in the
0: future? Well, I already ordered my hologram projector from Amazon. I don't know about you guys. It's coming uh, (laughs) next week, and I'm ready. Uh, It's going to be great. Elvis is playing, and and Tupac, it's going to be good, so I don't need to leave the house. I
1: hope Elvis Elvis and Tupac are playing together.
0: Uh, Of course. Um, (laughs) One one thing about, and you you all have done a, a fantastic job, yes, of covering this move towards potential live stream of concerts have live nation already figured out a way to get a piece of that. Are they, does it, is it covered in their contracts? If, if you two say, you know what, we have a new album we're dropping on streaming. And because we're all still in lockdown, we're going to live stream a bunch of concerts from our studio. Does their contract with live nation probably cover that? And it's okay if you don't know, but it's an interesting
3: question. That- I can't speak for Amy and Samantha, obviously. I don't know for sure on that end, but I do know, I mean, that some of these live streaming companies that I've been talking to who are all just getting an insane influx of interest from either individual artists or agencies or promoters. I mean, many of them are saying, you know, they wouldn't say exact names, but major promoters have gone to them and have started asking about what the options are for them. So it definitely is on, you know, these bigger players' radars of a potential option for what they're going to be doing going forward.
0: For sure. And I, I mean, I would ask one thing is that the most, uh, I wouldn't call it extreme estimate, but the, the longest estimate in terms of time I've heard on a potential lockdown, and I say this without trying to alarm anyone if they haven't heard, this is 18 months in some way. Uh, I heard that this- as well. Yes, according to this King's College report that terrified everyone both at the White House and in the British government and has changed their approaches overnight. So in 18 months of no concerts, what kind of, could Life Nation be you know, gutted from that. You know, a, a big promoter. I mean, that's a terrifying possibility for everyone. Obviously.
3: Well, that it's a. I, I think that's a, it's a tough question because that's so speculative, and I don't know if any of us know how much is reserved for any of these bigger players. But certainly, the the case that a lot of people that we've been talking with, whether it's lawyers or other industry members, the the consensus that outside of the live nations or the AEGs, it's a lot of these smaller promoters that they're going to be really. I mean, the, the, yeah. that's, I think, a very serious question of, like, where are they going to stand by the end
0: of this? The longer it and, takes, and, will and venue, to will the ven- And this gets closer to the Samantha story, which we're going to spend a bunch of time talking about, but the, that gets down to venue owners, you know, and then, of course, musicians themselves, especially ones who don't have a, a huge, you know, financial backstop. And then, of course, all of the rest of us. It gets pretty scary. It's hard concerts, to wrap your
1: head around. I mean, the live music business has a huge effect on the American economy. There's a study that came out in 2018 that said that by 2022, the live music industry will be worth $31 billion. So, yeah, sorry, Amy, what were you going to say? No, not at all. I was gonna say that if concerts have to be on hold for
2: eighteen months, then you can bet that Live Nation is like on its way to Congress right now saying we want a hundred yeah. billion dollars in a bailout right this moment, right behind, if not in front of, the airlines, the hotel industry, Uber and everyone else, right? Everyone is clamoring for a bailout in the event that this actually plays out and we live like essentially in silence for another few weeks or months because there's those industries can't function. Travel, housing, like Airbnb. And Live Nation are all in the same boat with that.
0: Yeah. No, I mean if they're bailing out cruise ships, why not? It's a sign of how fast things are moving. That one of our colleagues wrote to me when I suggested that possibility. And it was like it was like, I literally cannot imagine that. I cannot imagine the concert industry going to government asking for a ballot. It's, it's it's starting to seem a lot more a lot more possible. It's all pretty wild. Samantha, I wanted to talk to you about this great story you did about how this is hurting sort of below the lines people, people who aren't the stars on stage, but everyone else. There's so many people who work in this industry who, you know, don't get on the covers of magazines, who don't get interviewed usually, and they are hurting. So what did you find out?
1: Yeah, I think it's really easy for the general public to forget about all these people behind the scenes. There are so many people who go into making festivals like Coachella, what they are from the musical acts to the representation and the crews attached to those acts the grounds workers and the Uber drivers. And then, you know, beyond things like Coachella, when you're talking about smaller shows, you know, venues in your in your local area. You're talking about everyone from the bartenders to the door people to sound engineers and, you know, soundboard operators, lighting technicians, instrument technicians. When it goes to touring, there's tour managers, tour directors, tour accountants, a ton of people whose jobs simply would not exist without concerts. I mean, if I didn't work in the music industry, I wouldn't know that there was a tour manager, a tour director, and a tour accountant, you know? Sure. Um, So it's understandable, but yeah, and I think an important thing to take into consideration here is that a lot of these people, particularly on the smaller tours, are freelance workers. They are, you know, 1099, they don't have salary, they don't have health benefits, and they don't necessarily have work lined up all the time. So you go on a tour, and that's when you make your money, and then you have time off, and then you are relying on that next tour to come in and you don't necessarily know when that might be. And that brings me to the point of the timing of this situation. I mean, it's a pretty well-accepted fact within the music industry that the winter is the the slower season for touring. And by the time that spring comes around, that marks festival season, that's when these workers are like, you know, their, their wallets are light and they're ready to go. And of course, that's when the COVID-19 situation hit. So it was, it was really, it was particularly devastating because of that timing, because these people have, some people haven't been working since October. And so they really needed the money to Ouch. come in in March, you know?
0: That's brutal. That's just mm-hmm. brutal. And they, and they had no way of even beginning to plan for that. It, you start your story out by talking about Paul Clemson, who was a, vetier, a veteran audio engineer He's worked with people like Justin Timberlake, The Roots, and Eric Clapton. And he was lining up a bunch of shows, and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, they're all gone. He had a single text that wiped out $11,000 in gigs between now and April 8th. And he's just one of – you talk to a bunch of people who are experiencing things just like that.
1: Yeah, that really broke my heart. He and I had been emailing back and forth. And so he had already, we had already spoken and he had already followed up with some more insight. And then he separately sent me an email that was like, just as I hit send on that email, text came in, wiped out $11,000. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's really quite devastating. And an interesting thing that I didn't really think about before I had all these conversations was, you know, being on the road affects your personal life and it's a choice that a lot of these peoples make for you know their passion when it comes to live music and touring and events and and artistry that being said they're not home a lot they travel a lot obviously uh it's it's a very strange environment to spend your day-to-day lifestyle in. that leads me to the point that a lot of people meet their significant others on the road so that's important because we're talking about whole household incomes you might have two people who are married and possibly have a family and they both work in touring and they just lost all of their money.
0: That's terrifying. And, and sometimes it's not a job that necessarily provides health insurance. So they've got that to deal with as well. It's kind of a perfect storm for a lot of people. Right.
1: And I've also, I've heard a few differences in terms of layoffs, like some venues and, you know, different organizations are laying off their employees. Meanwhile, some are not. And it's hard to digest because you would think, oh, I don't want to be laid off, right? Obviously. That being said, we don't know how long this is going to last. So theoretically, if you get laid off, you can collect unemployment. If you don't get laid off and you are put on basically a zero hour work schedule, you can't file for unemployment. So theoretically, if this lasts two more weeks and you can then return to your job, of course you don't want to be laid off. But if this is a Two months, six months, 18 month thing, you want to be laid off so that you can at least collect unemployment.
0: Yeah, what a mess, honestly. And it, this is kind of a microcosm for what's going on across the entire economy in some ways. Way.
1: Absolutely. I've heard yeah, the same yeah. thing when it came to um, hotels and, you know, the hospitality industry.
3: Really every industry you could possibly imagine. I mean, it's this has really gone global to every single part of business i mean in its aggregate absolutely
0: right. well just look at the uh the, the s&p 500 right now but although today the day we're recording this it's you know it's it's been an okay day so far but uh, you know it's, it's it's i mean listen people again not to scare people but there are members of congress who are throwing around the word depression as a as a possibility so we are in completely unprecedented territory one thing i, I want to bring up that no one's really talked about yet, and this is obviously premature because it's far in the future in speculation, but it has occurred to me that there's also the issue of, assuming we get past this and the pandemic is over and they're pretty assured it's not being transmitted anymore, I think you have a at least a mildly traumatized populace, or at least portions of it, that might be hesitant to gather in large groups as a possibility, it occurred to me. I don't know if, you know, this, this isn't something you would have reported on, but I don't know if that's something you just you to have thought through at all.
3: It's something, I mean, I think anyone, you know, would kind of think about it a little bit. I, I would hope that how it would, go. I, I'd imagine there'll be probably a little bit of fear in a little bit, but I, I think that in the longer term, people will slowly build back up and, and uh, re-socialize. I would hope that this doesn't become some longer term issue. I, I. But again, I mean, there's so much that we don't know But I I really can't imagine that this would have an incredibly long-term impact as far as people willing to talk after a few months of, I guess, knowing more about this virus. uh, Again, there's so much we don't know. Once professionals have a better handle on it and we can handle things accordingly, I mean, we've, as a society, have always been able to bounce back eventually.
0: Absolutely. It's, uh, but again, we do not have precedent for us. I also thought about the fact that there's a lot of veteran artists who are the linchpin of the concert industry in some ways. One of the linchpins, you know, you're Billy Joel's and, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones are still touring and Bob Dylan and people like that. We're getting older and we're all canceled the tours, of course. And you know, it's you have to wonder whether in some cases people have had, for whatever reason, have had their last chance to see those people. It's it's disturbing to think about. I hope right. not. I um, hope
3: not too. I saw the the Stones earlier this summer for my first time ever, and I was thinking, man, I, I, is this really? I wonder, is this the only time I could really see them? And it's just the past few days have really made me realize, like think to myself, wow, that really may have been the only time. It's it's not a fun thought.
0: No, and, you know, and I I would say I hope everyone. <laughs> in those acts and others is and is completely fine health wise but you know you do want if this takes a while and if there's any uncertainty about you know being out in public and you're a little older you can see a lot of reasons why that might be the case and just in any case like you know you have people at the end in some sense towards the end of their careers and you lose potentially a year or more like you just don't know what happens so I guess everyone who's seen the legendary acts that they were hoping to see is feeling pretty good about that and let's hope you know, you get another chance. Um, yeah, but.
1: I mean, Ozzy Osborne pulled out of South by Southwest to that point, and his producer Andrew Watt recently tested positive for, um, yes. for uh, COVID nineteen. So that was, you know, obviously really terrifying, especially because Ozzy is, you know, dealing with Parkinson's disease. So it's it's a terrifying time, absolutely. Yeah.
3: Well, and it's just it's robbing so many people of so many different experiences. You think of the high school kids who aren't getting a prom or a graduation or the college kids who aren't walking and all the, the newly engaged couples who have no idea when they're going to get married and all these other things. It's, it's really taken away so many experiences beyond music too. But this I think is, is one of those cases that is just, it's, it's really just hitting us now. And uh, you look at, yeah, the stones or Ozzy Osbourne and, no one really thought that this was going to be the way that everything went to a halt. And I, I hope this isn't the, the the way that it ends for and, all these kind of legacy artists. And to that
1: point, I mean, maybe this is rather poetic of me, but Hey, I've been in quarantine. So <laughs> uh, I was going to say what Ethan said is, is very, very, very true. I mean, I'm getting flustered just, just talking about it. Sure. This, this is something that goes beyond industries and goes to personal experiences But that just makes me think about the fact that for a lot of people, I would say music is what soundtracks their personal experiences. You know, walking in graduation, there's music playing. You hire a band for your wedding. You associate certain points of your life with music. You use music to escape, to commemorate, to mourn. And if people are being robbed
0: of that as well. Absolutely. I will say one weird thing that's happening is I've been reporting for a potential piece about recording studios, and there's at least two big studios in Los Angeles that are open for business. We can question the wisdom of that or not. They make a case for why it's, you know, you can achieve that with social distancing. But they said that their sense was there are some people who are going to come but didn't because they're worried about the virus. They also said, this is one of the studio owners, that there were musicians, some of them perhaps big names, who suddenly showed up apparently because their tours were canceled. They can't say who's recording at their studios, obviously. But basically, they went into the studio because they can't be on the road. And this studio owner kind of predicted that there may be sort of the equivalent of a baby boom in recording because people are, are stuck home, which I actually think is perfectly plausible because also, of course, it, as uh, Billy Eilish and a million other people will tell you, you don't need to actually go to a studio to record. So it would be at least one mildly amusing bit of thought from this would be if suddenly we're we're absolutely flooded with even more recordings. So for musicians who have nothing else to do. Right. Uh, the coronavirus so, sessions. Exactly. Yeah. We're being recorded at every, every in fact, even non musicians are probably <laughs> are, are probably starting now. Lord help us. So before we wrap up, Ethan, you want to touch on a little bit more about, you know, virtual reality and Streaming and what you're hearing about the turn towards that in this kind yeah. of homeboundness.
3: Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you look at what's going on, and when all these artists are indefinitely sidelined from touring, I mean, if you're, if I'm an artist, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do for the next three months? I can't just not interact with my fans. I can't just not have concerts. And so now you look at live streaming, which, for you know, in recent years, I feel like people had always kind of shunned it a little bit. They thought, why would you just watch this when you can? go to the real thing, but now that that's not an option, it's growing so much, But even outside of that, there's other experiences like, you know, virtual reality mixed with just a live stream or, you know, Twitch streaming. There's all these ways to try to be creative with live streaming. And that's growing so much because artists need a way to either make money or connect with fans. And so there are different streamers that I had been talking with in my story that just published uh, the other day. Two that are coming to mind, well, the three that I profiled were uh, in there were Big Room Wave XR and stage it those three kind of do different things in the case of big room they're going directly to venues and hoping they can do like crowdless shows but the more I guess at home if you will style ones there's Wave XR which is they've worked with Galantis in the past and they worked with um, Carly Rae Jepsen and they try to make like a video game experience out of music and that there's they've said that there's been just so much um, interest from either artists or promoters simply because that's a way for them to make up for a lost tour. Like for example, if I'm a major artist, for ex- let's say I'm Kanye West and I wanna put on a show, I could cap you know, 500 people and being allowed to enter and I could charge $150 a head. You can make a lot of money in one go. And that seems to be an option. And there's going to be more of that happening. And for the non-major artists who don't have the pull to be able to demand that type of deal, you could still kind of put on these shows and interact with fans and people are trying to integrate either Patreons or Venmo or different PayPal for these kind of virtual tipping systems. That's kind of the way that uh, it's going with stage it more or less too. And this is the way that people, that artists are going to need to do it. They can't just act like for the next three months, we're going to do nothing. And this is the next best thing. And if I'm thinking from a business standpoint, if I'm running one of these live streaming companies, I'd want to try to execute as well as I can to show that this isn't just a coronavirus um, contingency plan, if you will, but this could become a vital part of, you know, the concert scene as a whole. If this is a good supplement to my live show, this is the way to prove to people all along that live streaming is this 21st century deal that we need now, not just, you know, we don't have any other option.
1: I really hope that that the industry can successfully figure out a way to monetize virtual shows. I mean, touring is how artists make the bulk of their money. That's partially streaming's fault. Following the digital boom and the internet's rise to omnipresence, traditional album sales became a thing of the past, and as streaming became the norm. So artists don't make a ton of money by just releasing music. Streaming is beneficial in the long run since an artist's music can when I talk about streaming in this instance I'm talking about using Spotify or Apple Music not streaming in terms of concerts but streaming is beneficial in that sense in the long run since an artist's music can be easily accessed long after it's been released. When you're buying an album, the artist only benefits off of that one purchase, no matter how many times the purchaser plays it. With streaming, they make money every time their music is played, but you have to remember that it's a very small amount of money, so it takes a while for that to add up over time. Um, Right,
3: and big buzz is how do we diversify, well, how would these artists diversify their revenue since I mean, it was music and now touring, as you said, is there. And I mean, I think that this situation has really just shown to whether you're an artist or a live nation or any of these that are so heavy into touring, we need to make sure that we've got plans for when stuff like this happens, no matter how rarely it is.
1: Yes, because for most creative workers, the monthly revenue generated from just music streaming is not enough to pay the rent, mortgage or car payments.
0: Absolutely. And it shows an unanticipated vulnerability in this new economic setup where going on the road is the main thing. It used to be that some or many people could fall back on the record sales. They can no longer do that. And so it's going to have to be addressed if we want a, a functional music industry going forward. But this has been today's Rolling Stone Music Now. Samantha Hisung and Ethan Millman, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Amy Swing, who joined us for most of the show and had to run. Thanks for doing a, the very first remote episode of Rolling Stone Music Now. And as I said, we are going to be trying to come to you every week just this way until things go back to normal. And we'll be back next week here on Sirius x Volume, Channel 106. And in the meantime, as always, we are a podcast download us to the podcast wherever you get your podcast leave us a nice review on itunes if you can but much more importantly in these times please stay safe and healthy stay home as much as you can if you can and we will see you next week